It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. With Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to Life, Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is episode 13 of this new program here on KSL. I'm grateful to you for listening. I'm grateful to you uh, for the time you've uh, chosen to spend with us here on this radio program. Uh, let me tell you what, this next segment is a, a bit surreal uh, because uh, the name of my guest is a name you recognize, and it's the name of someone I worked with for a good number of years here at this very radio station. KSL News Radio's Doug Wright joins me on the line. Sir, how are you? I'm doing well, Lee. I heard episode 13, so is this uh, a bad luck day for you to have me on or a good luck? No, no, no. This is, this is 15. 13 was last week. <laughs> What's that? T- t- today's 15. You're good. You're, you're, it's a safe oh, day. Well, good. Yeah, I thought I heard 13, and I thought, wow, there's got to be significance there. One of the symptoms of uh, of one in, of advanced age, like yourself, is uh, hearing loss, sir, so I can understand. <laughs> I can understand. <laughs> Well, fortunately, I do know quite well the people at my hearing centers. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What did you just say? Exactly right. Uh, listen, you are Utah's Mr. Movie, or what do we call you on the movie? You have a movie show. Yeah. Uh, last night, Golden Globes, that's a movie related. Uh, you watch those? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we actually watched it delayed. Uh, we were watching another movie, and then we uh, went back and, and caught it. And <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Did, what were you watching? What, what were you seeing ahead of time? Uh, we were we were rewatching Downton Abbey. I have a for your consideration screener, and uh, Dee and I wanted to watch it again. So we were being very cerebral last night. Downton mm. Abbey. I see. Okay. Oh, very good. Uh, maybe I'll watch that someday. My grandmother loves it. <laughs> Cut out a little bit on me, Lee, so I'm not sure what I just... Uh, and this is not hearing loss. That was a genuine cutout. Well, trust me, whatever I said was hilarious. Tell me... Uh, I'm sure it was. <laughs> you, you and Ricky Gervais. That's right. What, what did you think about Mr. Gervais hosting for the fifth time the, the Golden Globes last night? You know, the, the man can truly be hilarious. And nobody can be edgier better than him. But boy, last night it was like any filter that the guy might have had just went right out the, the window. It was, I, I was honestly stunned. And some of the things that were said uh, were, were not only uh, edgy, but so out, outrageously inappropriate. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I love the reaction when they were scanning the audience and people were just either sitting there looking like that. And, and to get this reaction from Hollywood is, is really something like they were just appalled or punched, or Tom Hanks gave the very best responses. And, oh, man, I, I was really put off by it, honestly. I wondered throughout the show, as I was watching it with uh, Jessica and Little Piper, I wondered if uh, Tom Hanks' placement was intentional, knowing uh, maybe some attitudes he had about Gervais. Because it was, I mean, they had, I think, dedicated cameras. As soon as something, some line was delivered, we were right onto Tom Hanks' face. And this morning, as you click around the, like, the clickbait-type websites, uh, it's all kinds of memes of uh, Tom Hanks' reactions. Yeah, you know, I, I think the you know the camera automatically goes 
to the highest profile people that are there. And I think too, you know, you, you're, you're, you want to go to what will most likely be the, the most profound response to it. I mean, there's some people that probably laughed hilariously or, you know, had that uncomfortable laugh. But, you know, the camera tends to go for the one that they think is going to have the most interesting response. And plus, he was the highest profile person there, you know, receiving the Cecil B. DeMille Award and so on. So it, it was a big deal. But you noticed after Tom Hanks received the uh, the award, Gervais didn't touch it. I mean, it was like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I joked when I was at the station earlier today, it wasn't only like touching the third rail. It would have been like putting your tongue on yeah, the yeah. third rail. It would have, it would have been lethal for him to have said anything uh, out of, out of bounds after the, uh, the amazing award that I think Tom Hanks so wonderfully deserved. Sure. You, you brought up a good point, uh, or you, you made a good comment there about Tom Hanks being the highest profile person in the room. Last night, as I was watching it, and as I was watching them uh, scan around the room, uh, I, I asked myself that question, and, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I landed on Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was definitely the highest profile person there? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really believe uh, he he was. <clears throat> I mean, there were some other people, obviously, that received some uh, big awards. Alan, for example. But when it comes to just classic movie yeah. stars he's he's the jimmy stewart of of the last 20 or 30 years i mean he truly is he is the person that can play the the tough tough role and even if you don't like his character even if you weren't sympathetic with the character you understand why he would play it and he can get away with things that uh, that other quote unquote mainstream kind of family friendly actors can't. We, we we trust him is the bottom line. We trust him, and and as we watch that clip that he kind of joked about. I mean, how many people on their you know trailer uh, on their reel of clips you know have a, an episode of the Love Boat? Yeah. But you looked at his body of work there, and it really is remarkable. Uh, so Brad Pitt was in attendance. Leonardo DiCaprio oh, was in attendance. Uh, Robert De Niro, right. Al Pacino. N- uh, n- none of them. None of them outshine uh, Tom Hanks. No, no, I, I really don't think so. Although I'm not kidding you, The Irishman is amazing. I don't know if you've caught up on that yet. I've on, seen that on Netflix, but it is a remarkable movie. And the, my outstanding performance in that movie was Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is and, so know, great. With our what was that? Joe Pesci, absolutely outstanding. I almost feel bad that I haven't been over the years a bigger Joe Pesci fan after seeing The Irishman. Well, you look at look at what he did. Normally, he's that little guy, that frenetic guy, the guy that's just on the edge of going crazy or the guy that has gone crazy or the guy that's just, you know, constantly, you know, sticking his foot in it, you know, in the old uh, uh, Lethal Weapon movies. But in this movie... He was the state. I mean, he's he's a despicable character, but he's the stabilizing despicable character. And it was so atypical of a Pesci role. And uh, when we met together as the uh, the critics here in the state of Utah, we put our list together just before Christmas. And boy, I made quite an impassioned uh, speech for Joe Pesci getting best supporting actor. But I did say when I was talking to my fellow critics here in the state that if Brad Pitt had been included in in that, nobody knew where to put Brad Pitt. They didn't know whether whether to put him in the best actor category or the supporting actor. And so I think we kind of I put him in uh, supporting, but a lot of people put him 
in the uh, category of best uh, actor in general. Anyway, he didn't end up on the shortlist, so I really went for Pesci. But I was yeah. so pleased that he won last night. Yeah. Brad Pitt's character is the pivotal character in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He truly is, and he did a great job. Our guest is Doug Wright, of course. You recognize the the, the voice. We're talking about the Golden Globes. If you want to weigh in on this real quick, 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, that's just if you want to share some of your thoughts. We're going back and forth about this Ricky Gervais performance last night. Doug, let me bring you back to the beginning of the Golden Globes. Let me ask you uh, one last quick question before we say goodbye. He made a plea to those receiving awards and who would then be up on stage to give a speech. Uh, he said, uh, and I'll paraphrase because it gets a little crude there at the end he says come up here take your award thank your agent thank your god and then go get off the stage uh he says uh, this isn't the place for your political statements how do you how do you respond to that he's absolutely right he's absolutely right i didn't mind the because i don't think it was a political well some people did turn it into a political statement on climate change and reaction to it but i think expressing a concern for the people of Australia was perfectly, sure. um, you know, fine. Hundred percent. But unfortunately, in some cases, that really was spun into a political uh, statement. But I get really sick of that. I, I really do. I get sick of the political statements. I get sick of the diatribes. And I think basically he was right. You know, get up there, thank the people that are were critical to your to your success. Act appreciative and then get off the stage. Yeah. And we had we had some interesting things, Patricia Arquette and several others. You know, one of the most interesting, and I don't know if you have time, drop the trap door on me if, if you don't leave. Got about 30 seconds, but, sir. Okay, Joaquin Phoenix. First of all, he gets up there. He is a strange dude to begin with. Right. So, a wonderfully strange, bizarre, almost frightening performance. But he was almost incoherent at first, and he was bleeped all over the place. But then he finally got to something that was important. And he said, you know, if we believe in all this climate change and everything, we need to do something. Quit flying around in your private jets. Yeah. Quit living these lavish lifestyles. I'm saying it, believe it or not, much more eloquently than he did. But he, I thought he had a point. So anyway, yeah. it was entertaining last night. Well, I'm grateful to you uh, for joining us. Thanks for, for watching that. Uh, uh, and I'm grateful to you for, for being a guest on this little program. Like I said earlier, it's pretty surreal having you on uh, uh, as a guest well, on my own little radio show here. All righty, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, that's our show for today. I'm grateful to you, uh, listener, for taking the time to listen to us. Uh, tomorrow, a lot of big things already lined up. Uh, this deal out in Iraq, the uh, the killing by a drone strike of that Iranian gov- uh, general, uh, that is causing uh, some stirs in Washington, D.C., and we're going to keep a close eye on it. Uh, that's all coming up on tomorrow's program. Next up, Jeff Kaplan. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.